Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Marcus Sheridan. Marcus, how are you today? Doing great. It's a pleasure to be here, man, and hopefully we'll have a fun time. I know I'm going to have a fun time. I don't know about your audience, but I will, brother. So Yeah, absolutely. Let's no, see what we can do. They'll totally have fun. Um, why don't you give us a little background and you know how you, how you eventually became the sales lion? Yeah, well, here's the quick story. Um, I started an in-ground swimming pool company in 2001, literally out of the back of a pickup truck. And, um, and it's in Virginia, okay? And things were going okay. And we, we, we grew the company more or less up until about 2008. And that's when we had a major, obviously, collapse of, of, of the market. And uh, people couldn't get money to, to buy pools. And, and right after the big crash of the Dow, we lost about a quarter of a million dollars in sales that we had on the books of people that said, we just can't get a swimming pool. And so things started to get so bad that by February of 2009, I went through a period of three straight weeks where I was overdrawn in my company bank account, my personal bank account. I had 15 employees at the time. We were on the brink, literally, of going out of business. And every consultant that I talked to said, dude, you really just should go out of business. Just call it a day. I didn't have that option. And so I, as I really looked at things and looked online, I said, how can we, how can we generate way more sales than we've ever gotten in a time when pool companies left and right are collapsing? How can we do this without spending any money? Pretty much, because I didn't have any money to do it with. And that was when I discovered some of HubSpot stuff, you know, H-U-B-S-P-O-T, for those that haven't heard of HubSpot. They're really the catalyst for the whole inbound marketing movement. Um, and so once I started reading that stuff, basically, Eric, and I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a really, uh, one of those really uh, cerebral folks. I basically said, okay, so you're telling me that if I, communicate and teach better than anybody in my realm online about swimming pools and just really just answer all the questions that people will start to come to my website. And so that's exactly what I did. And we said, let's answer every question that we've ever had. And to make a long story short, we did that on the website. And within a short period of time, the website blew up. It saved the business. And today it's the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And that story has been featured in multiple places now. And uh, because it was, it was talked about so much and because I was having success with it, I started another company now today, but at the time it was just a site called The Sales Lion, which is all about inbound and content marketing and, and a lot of just digital marketing principles and some personal development. And that community has grown nicely. And so today, full-time, I just go around, I speak, and I teach about this whole marketing and communication stuff and have a great time doing it. I'm a silent partner with River Pools. Nice. All right. So we should, we should call you the inbound sales line then, huh? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah. So can you give us like a numbers breakdown? Like, you know, how much revenue were you doing, you know, um, in the 2008 period when things were going bad? And then after you started doing the inbound stuff, how much revenue were you doing? Yeah. Well, this is a little bit of a skewed number simply because it's hard. It's And I'll explain why it's hard to, if you just base it on growth, it's hard to look at it uh, appropriately. When times were great in 2007, we got up to about $4 million in sales. Okay. And after 2008 and 2009, the average swimming pool company lost somewhere between 50 to 80% of sales revenue, okay? 
And so that was the average drop. To give you an idea, um, six years ago, the number one fiberglass swimming pool company in the country did 500 pools a year. And then three years after that, they were putting in about 35 pools a year. Wow. And that, and that was a bad market. That was in Vegas, but it was like that in lots of markets. So everybody was affected by this. Um, that being said, we took our company from 4 to $5 million in sales. And our advertising went from about $250,000 a year to less than $20,000 a year. And essentially that $20,000 was spent about $10,000 on pay-per-click. And the other $10,000 was spent on what we paid for the software of HubSpot. That was it. The rest was organic. Um, organic search results in, in organic visitors. Okay, and what, so when everyone was trending down in that period, you were trending upwards. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's exactly right. We were trending up, and it wasn't clearly. It wasn't supposed to be like that. We should not have been able to trend up during that time period. Got it. Okay, perfect. And so before you started doing, uh, you know, you started doing content marketing on your site. How much traffic were you getting before that, and how much traffic were you getting, let's say, at the peak? Yeah, um, so before I started this, we were getting somewhere around maybe um, uh, 1,500 visitors a month, mm -hmm. more or less, mm -hmm. and about half of those were coming from pay-per-click. Mm -hmm. And um, today, like on the, during the summer, we are getting somewhere around 170 to 180,000 visitors a month. Wow. And the uh, pay-per-click uh, represents about... Like, you know, it's just like a couple percent of our traffic. Wow. Okay, that's a massive difference. So, I mean, you know, if, if people are looking for examples of inbound and how, how anyone can do it, I mean, this is the example right here. So, Well, uh, and the thing is, the strategy was not complex, and it's a strategy, Eric, that applies to everybody. And this is what drives me crazy, mm -hmm. is when people talk about content marketing or inbound marketing, I think they overanalyze it. And literally, our philosophy, and it's the same philosophy that I've used with every client since then, is okay, let's take every single question we've ever been asked by a prospect, the way that they would search it if they went online and had that problem, right? What would that look like? Let's take that, let's take that question, let's turn it into a title of an article that's on our website. Call it a blog if you want. I just think a blog, I hate the word blog because it doesn't really represent anything, it's not tangible. And to me, more than anything today, a blog is just a way of formatting educational information on your website that's easy to find. That's the way I think we should define blog today, mm -hmm. not like we did yesteryear. And so we did that with Riverpools and late at night I would get at home like after being on the road and I would get home around 11.30 p.m., 12 a.m. and I would literally say, what was the question that I got today in a sales appointment that I haven't answered on the website? I would answer it and I would be brutally transparent. Brutally transparent. And let me give you an idea of just how brutally transparent. Because we've done stuff at Riverpools and I've since implemented it in other um, industries. So, like, I used to get the question all the time. And the philosophy, again, let me stress the philosophy was they ask, you answer. Or in this case, we answer. So, four simple words they ask, you answer. If you've ever been received the question, you've got to answer it on your site. It's your moral obligation because you know a thousand other people have searched this before. And so, one example of this was, let's say I was in Richmond, Virginia, right? And that's an area where we did pools. And um, somebody would say to me, Marcus, if we don't get a pool from you, who else would you recommend in the area? Right? It's the classic, who's your top competitors question. Yeah. Every industry gets it, right? Who'd you recommend? And usually, we have terrible answers for that. And we either lie, we give them somebody awful to go, <laughs> to go talk to, or whatever it is, right? And so I said, you know what? I'm going to write about this on the website. So I wrote, my first time I did something like this, I wrote an article, um, 
um, the the five best swimming pool builders in Richmond, Virginia reviews slash ratings. And what was so cool about this is I listed five swimming pool builders that I felt had a solid in-ground pool history in Virginia, and I wasn't on that list. And the reason why, and people still say, why weren't you on the list? I'm like, because they're on my freaking website, and it's assumed that I'm awesome if I'm willing to say, okay, if you don't use us, here are some of the other companies that are are excellent that we might recommend. And so, uh, to make a long story to make a long story short, if you go online today and you search things like best swimming pool builders in Virginia, of course we're the ones that show up. But if you go online and you put in reviews XYZ competitor Richmond, Virginia, which people do all the time, I show up in search results for all of my competitors' keyword phrases. They don't know why I'm giving them awards. I know why I'm giving them awards because I'm willing to have conversations that nobody else is willing to have. And I have a philosophy as I, my philosophy is I never make a single decision in terms of marketing based on the competition. I don't care about the competition. I don't care if you know about the competition. In fact, I'm going to assume that you know every single one of my competitors. The moment a company does that, Eric, they just say they know everybody. Then you're just liberated to do some pretty magical stuff when it comes to what you're willing to talk about online. Right. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point. So you, you talked about, you know, that this specific, you know, Richmond, Virginia, you know, review and things like that. I think in your HubSpot presentation, and I'll link to this after the, the interview as well, you mentioned five things that people are always looking for that you, you cover. What are those five things again? All right. I call it the big five. The big five move the needle in every single industry. And the big five are stuff that everybody's scared to talk about. So what are they? Well, the first one, and it's the most common question in the world that nobody likes to address on their website is cost. Okay. The second one has to do with problems, issues, et cetera, of that product, that service, that methodology, whatever that is. So we got cost or price. We've got problems slash issues. The third one is versus slash comparisons. We love to com compare stuff online. We all do it. You do it. I do it. This versus that. This method versus that method. This product versus that product. This brand versus that brand. But you see, none of the brands do this stuff, and they're dumb for it because people ask all the time. Mm -hmm. The fourth one is reviews slash awards, okay? And then the fifth one, because we love to search for reviews and negative reviews and all that stuff. Right. And then the fifth one is best, best of questions. What is the best Mexican restaurant in Washington, D.C. that serves um, sopapillas? You know, I mean, that's the type of stuff we go online and search about. But that's the stuff I want to know about we love best. Now, here's the thing about the big five there. If you are going to address those, you're walking, you're treading water in an area that, generally speaking, companies are afraid to be. They're afraid to put opinions out there. They're afraid to address these things. Let me give you an example of how I work with, my, with, the, with cost. The first question I used to always receive when somebody would call the store was, okay, Marcus, I know you don't know, but like, how much would a fiberglass pool cost me? Like, give me a range. You know, and I, I used to hate the question. Mm -hmm. And then I was dumb enough to go on sales appointments where people still really weren't that prepared in terms of how much something cost. And so I said, okay, well, we've got this new philosophy. They ask, we answer. So daggone it, I'm going to address this stupid question. So we said, the first article we wrote when we embraced this philosophy is how much does a fiberglass pool cost? And we said, you know what? It's kind of like buying a car. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of accessories. Here's all your options. Here's all your accessories. And you know, you could be in these ranges and you could get these types of packages, but ultimately the answer is it depends. But here's the magic. 
because we were willing to address the subject and say it depends, mm -hmm. what happened next was incredible because, of course, Google and the search engine said, finally, somebody's addressing this freaking question that nobody's been willing to talk about on their website because they were too afraid of the competition. They're too afraid of scaring people off, which are two dumb reasons not to be a great teacher online, by the way. It's competition, right. scaring people that are a bad fit. Those are dumb reasons not to share things online. And so we started getting tons of visitors. And because we have advanced analytics like HubSpot, I know exactly the number of appointments that we got from that one article, right? I know the visitors, I know the appointments, and therefore I also know that that one article up until this point in time has made us over $2 million in sales. $2 million that we would not have had had we not been willing to address the question in the first place. Wow. It goes on and on. I could give you tons of examples, but that's just how it works. So you're either willing to address the question or you're going to be an ostrich with your head in the sand. But the problem is the ostrich realizes pretty quickly that that problem will never go away. And so for those that think, okay, well, eventually they're just not going to think about that. And it doesn't. We are in a time where if you're willing to be radically transparent, that automatically, as Seth Godin would say, is your purple cow. That's going to make you different. It does. And people are thirsting for it. They can't find transparency on the news, brother. They can't find, find it in Washington. They can't find it anywhere. They might as well find it with your business and the way that you communicate about your stuff, about your prices, about your products, about their prices, about their products. That's how it works. Right. right. And have, have any of your competitors tried copy you, copying you after that? Man, <laughs> half of them are just like, well, I don't know why you're doing that, but thanks. Here's the, here's the crazy thing, Eric. I have taught these principles to the entire swimming pool industry. I've taught the principles of they ask, you answer to literally competitors down the street when they're at my conferences. And do you know how many have applied it and done it halfway well? None of them. That's exactly right. None of them. Because the reality is you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And that's so true when it comes to digital marketing. It is blatantly obvious that transparency earns trust, that earns leads, that earns sales. But still, they're so, they have such this scarce mentality like, oh my, if I tell somebody, if I write an article, this is another silly example, if I write an article, fiberglass versus concrete pools, well, um, and if I tell people that concrete might be better in certain applications, and, if, and, and I sell fiberglass, I might scare them off or I might introduce them to a, to a concrete swimming pool. And they never would have known about concrete swimming pools had I not introduced it to them. Mm -hmm. Like, really? Are we dumb enough to think that? This is not 1995, the year I graduated high school, mind you. This is 2014. There are no secrets. And if somebody wants an answer, they're going to find it. The real question is, are you the one they're going to find it from, or are they going to have to go down the street or down the digital street to your competitor? Right, right. And, and this, this actually brings up a really good question, because a lot of people in the tech startup world, they get VC funding, and the VCs want them to put into paid acquisition, right? Right. How long does content marketing take? Because um, you know, people okay. in the tech world want to move quickly, right? Yes, they want to move quickly. You got to look at content marketing. It has so many applications because it's not just find, not just them finding you. It's them falling in love with you once they have found you, right? Because every piece of content somebody reads 
by you is another, you got to look at like they're going on another date. And it's generally probably going to be a good date. And eventually, if you go on enough dates with somebody, what's going to happen? I'll let you finish that sentence in your own mind, but you understand my point. You might sit there and say, well, how many leads is this going to get me? And I can tell you, if you do it with the big five, it's going to generate a ton of leads. But let's say you never got a single new visitor to your site based on the content alone from search engine results or from social. But somebody met you today, you introduced your product to them and said, that sounds interesting. You know, I'd like to know more. Maybe I'll check out your website. Well, when they come to the party that is your website, are they going to leave in five minutes? Or are they going to have the time of their life? And that is the great question. People are so short-sighted when it comes, because to me, this isn't about content marketing. That's just the word that people use. This to me is, are you a better teacher than anybody else? Do you communicate your product and the problems that it solves better than anybody else? If you are trying to get into this game of, if you're trying to get into this incredible game of, of investors, you're going to have to show clearly the problems that you solve. And if you can't do it, you're not going to be in the game very long. Now, how long does content marketing take to generate leads? It depends. It depends on the saturation level, what I call the CSI, the content saturation level of your industry. Now, if you start trying to talk about social media today online, guess what? There's a lot of freaking competition out there. Let me tell you, because I play that game. Mm -hmm. But the swimming pools ain't too hard, ain't much competition. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so really that's, um, that's how it works. Now, that being said, you can speed up things regardless of CSI, but you got to be willing to talk about the big five. So let's say, I'm a, let's say I, I come up with a new, new piece of software, okay? And there is a competitive piece of software that's similar to it. If I'm that person, my content marketing is more focused on the competition and questions regarding the competition that's already established that people are asking. And therefore, I'm going to use a drafting technique of introducing them indirectly to my product based on the fact that they're interested in this other inferior product. Mm -hmm. Because there's always an inferior product or method that people are researching that already exists. And so people say, well, how can I do content marketing on something that doesn't exist? Not true. You have to focus on the problems people have and what they're now doing to solve those problems. Let me give you a perfect example. And this is not techie, but it's an example. You've heard of Fathead, right? Yep. yep. Okay. I have a client who just started engaging with me. And he is a competitor of Fathead. He does wall decals. Yeah. So what we're doing is, let's use the big five for a second. And I'll just use really simple examples. How much does the average Fathead wall decal cost? Okay. What are some general problems with hanging up a Fathead on my wall that I might experience? Fathead versus my company, Wall Monkeys, which is better. Okay. Or Fathead versus... Say um, there's other types of competitors to Fathead. Fathead versus another competitor, mm -hmm. which is better. Nothing about me, but that could be one of my clients, and I'm just drafting off of two other more established competitors. A review of Fathead wall decals. Again, that's generic. I could do a lot more than that. And then what are the best methods to hang a Fathead in my bedroom? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the big five. Those are the big five. Or what are the best types of wall decals for? But but the point is, I'm drafting off of a company that people are asking questions about, 
And at the end of the article, we continue to say, now, as another option to Fathead, we have this product as well that you should probably consider because it has this. Nothing wrong with Fathead, but if you're looking for these things, this might be the perfect fit for you. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And going back to the big five, do you stick with the big five like a certain percentage of the time, or do you try to venture out and try new things? Okay, there's no question that I venture out, especially in every industry. There's some questions that are very um, specific mm -hmm. to that industry that aren't necessarily big five. They're really, I could argue there's a sixth one, which is a how-to, right? There's a lot of how-to questions out there that are pretty solid. This is what I find. About 70% of the content I produce, my clients produce in our editorial calendars is big five material. Usually, we don't think it's big five, but I look at it and say, uh, that should be a big five, and here's why. Got it. Okay. And what if? Okay. What if someone's just starting out? You know, they don't have like a they don't have a ton of customers asking questions yet, things like that. How do you start to build up that database of questions or topics? Well, I I like to look at it like this. If you don't know what problems you solve with your product, you're screwed already, because you got nothing, buddy. You got nothing. So if you are clearly understanding, and it's it and you just get this. Here, this little widget will solve this, this, and this problem. And these are the emotion the person is experiencing when they're dealing with this, this, and this problem. If you understand that when you're developing something, well, then you already have a ton of content that you should be writing because it's problem-based content. It's not your widget-based content. It's problem-based content. The second thing is you got to look at the forms. And the third thing is the forms as an F-O-R-U-M-S because those places you just get question after question after question that are going to stimulate stimulate ideas that you should be writing about. And the third is you need to go to your the, your competitors. You need to go to their websites, but you also need to see the searches that people are doing on your competitors' keyword phrases. In other words, there's a lot of fathead-based questions that people have that I can go onto Google AdWords right now and I can find out exactly what those are. Those questions I need to be answering on my site. Got it. Cool. And backing up a little bit, um, I want to, you know, I always want to ask, you know, the question, um, how did you acquire your first 100 customers? Well, um, well, with let's, there, so that's a twofold. And, and this will be the easiest answer. With River Pools, my swimming pool company that I'm a silent partner with, 90% mm -hmm. of our customer base is based on the organic traffic that we get to the site, mm -hmm. that they ask you answer philosophy. It's no greater than that. Now, we make sure that they read that content. In other words, we have this thing that we did. I developed with Riverpools. I use it with the sales line, and I've taught it to clients since then, which is called assignment selling. It's pretty awesome because this is how it works. We know Riverpools because of it. I did a study one time in, at the beginning of 2012, and I looked at two groups of people. Now, the first group of people had filled out a form on our site but not bought a pool, and the second group of people had filled out a form and bought a pool. So we got two groups, both filled out forms, but one didn't buy and one did buy. And there was one magical number that was under that second group that bought, and that was the number 30. And that number 30 represented total pages of the site mm -hmm. that they had viewed. We found that if somebody read 30 pages of the website before we went on a sales appointment, had that first deep conversation with them mm -hmm. that they would buy 80% of the time, wow. which is a dramatic number considering the industry average is about a 10 to 15% closing rate for appointments. And so we said, okay, this is crazy. 
All we have to do is make sure they hit 30 pages before we go on the sales appointment. That's when we implement an assignment selling. So if you called me up, Eric, and say, yo, Marcus, could you come to my house and give me a quote on a pool? I'd say something like this. Eric, I'd love to come to your house and um, talk to you about a pool. But you're getting ready to spend a lot of money, and I know you want to be educated. Mm. And I know you don't want to make any mistakes with all this money of yours. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to make sure you're educated by sending you a couple things on an email as we speak on the phone right now, Eric. I'm going to send you a video that's going to show you the whole process of having the pool installed in your backyard. This way, when I get to your house, you're not going to have to ask me. You're going to see it for yourself, brother. Second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to send you this little ebook or guide. This ebook or guide is great because it's going to answer all the questions you have right now about like, should I get a saltwater pool or not? What is the best type of heater I should get with my pool? All those questions. Now, it's a little bit long. It's about 30 pages, mm -hmm. but I promise it'll be worth your time. Could you do that before our appointment on Friday? You, 90% of the time, are going to say, sure. That's the number one answer. Right. At which point I'm going to say, great, Friday morning, just to confirm you took the time to do those things, I'll give you a call before I come out. Uh -huh. See that? Yeah. That's assignment selling. Now, I'm forcing you to become educated. If you say, sorry, Marcus, I don't have the time, I say, that's okay. It appears we're not a good fit. Best mm -hmm. of luck. And you see, the greatest companies in the world, no matter if you're a party of one, or an army of many, you need to understand who you are, but more importantly, who you're not. If you understand who you're not, you understand who are the bad fit customers, clients, prospects, etc. You never want to have a bad dance. You never want to have a bad relationship. You can go back to middle school and remember the bad dances you had. That two minutes was the longest two minutes of your life. Yep. You get into the real world and have a business and you have a bad customer they're the ones that make you say, this ain't worth it. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so we use assignment selling, and that's incredible. Assignment selling impacts the sales line as well. Now, with the sales line, I have a free ebook on my site. It's about 230 pages long. I get emails all the time from people that say, hey, Marcus, can we have a, uh, a call about content marketing? Well, the first question I say is, have you read the ebook? Because if you have not read it yet, you have to read that before I have a conversation with you on the phone. Mm -hmm. See, this is very different. For the longest time in my life, Eric, if somebody would call me and say, do you want to talk about this? I'd be like, I'm there. I'm there right now. And I dealt with a lot of bad fits mm -hmm. and I wasted a ton of time. People, if it, here's the deal. If somebody really cares about value, not just price, but value, the experience, etc., mm -hmm. well, then they will take the time to become educated about your thing. Whether it's product, service, widget, doesn't matter. But if they only care about price, well, you're going to lose that game anyway. So why bother? Mm -hmm. Let Walmart deal with them. Right. right. So it, it sounds like you need to have, first of all, you need to have some kind of idea, ideal client profile. And then, you know, to get to that, that magical 30 number, um, it sounds like you've used some kind of marketing automation tool or some kind of analytics. Yeah. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about marketing automation and how it's helped your business? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think, um, I hate the name marketing automation. Of course, that's what's used for it. Mm -hmm. I haven't come up with anything else. Um, I, I think there's so much. There's so advanced analytics are powerful. Okay, and so like with HubSpot, that's what I use. And there's HubSpot, there's Marketo, there's Eloqua, there's Pardot. I mean, there's tons of them now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's more and more and more coming up. I use HubSpot. A lot of people know me for HubSpot. I like the product. Um, here's what I like the most. Let's say a lead comes into the system today and says, hey, Marcus, we're really interested in talking to you about speaking at our next conference. 
And I'm like, okay, let's see what they know about me. And then I go into the lead and I see they came to the site here. They went to these five pages last week. This week they've come to the site three times. They've looked at four pages and here's the videos that they viewed during that process of being on the site. I see that they understand my style. They know how I roll. This ain't a dummy that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Versus the person that says, hey, Marcus, um, we think we might want to have you speak at our conference. And then I go and they have been to my website one time and they've looked at one page and then they filled out the form. There's a very good chance that this is somebody that's not that I'm going to have to either educate or I'm going to change the way, in other words, that I communicate and sell that lead because they're not as prepared and it's not going to be as good of an experience until they really know who Marcus Sheridan is and his style, his the way that he rolls, his doctrine, his philosophy. Does that make sense? Totally. I think in Google Analytics does not do that. They don't do names of people. So I think Google Analytics is great, but until you can say this person has read 45 pages of my website, here's their hot buttons based on these pages, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to give them a call. What's that call like versus if you know jack about the person? And that call is 10 times better, and that's because you've got to have advanced lead intelligence. So I like that, but I like a lot of other um, you know features to, 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 to some of these marketing tools. I, I love paying attention to keywords. I'm an SEO, like a closet SEO. I speak about SEO all the time. I don't ever say the word. Just like when you saw, you mentioned that one video you saw of me speaking at HubSpot. Mm -hmm. That was an entire 45 minutes on search engine optimization. I never said search one time. And they ask you answer is is about search engine, it's about SEO. It's what it is. It's SEO done right. It's SEO that is well, it it is what Google wants. It is hummingbird times 10. And if you do it just just like the consumer thinks it, you're going to be dramatically successful. I've been preaching this for five years while like half the SEOs out there are freaking out because they're getting their nards kicked in because they've been doing stupid things the whole time. It's like, come on, people. If you dance with the digital devil, you're going to pay the price. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It was obvious to me four years ago when I saw people building, building, building links however they could. I'm like, you're gonna one of these days, you're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the piper. And then I saw people just doing guest posts after guest posts, link, 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 link. And I was saying to myself, this makes no sense to me. I'm sure it's going to work for a season, but mm-hmm. a season alone. And look, now what we got, Matt Cutts is coming out and saying, you probably shouldn't be thinking that guest posting up and down the East Coast is going to help you very much because it's not. I mean, it's, you, you have got to understand this. The only thing that Google cares about, ultimately, is the quality of the experience of the searcher. Other than money, I know they all they care about is money, but they also care about making sure you have a phenomenal experience. Their greatest fear is that you're going to go use Bing. They want you to have a phenomenal experience, which means they need the best teachers in the world to show in terms of results. That's what they need to do. And if you're not thinking along those lines, if you're thinking of another method, that method is not built to last. I promise you that. Yeah, and that's totally true. I mean, coming from someone that has an SEO background, I've tried everything, right? But you got to go for the long-term stuff. Um, if you're trying to if you're trying to go short-term, you know, you're gonna burn your site down. You know, don't go crying because Google tore your business apart. Um, yeah, that's just the way it is. I heard a talk one time. This lady was she was up on station. Yeah, you know, I uh, she had one of these huge um, bloggers scratch my back sites, and everybody was scratching each other's backs, and she was. She was just crying the blues up there about how her business had 
is coming out of the ashes because Google sandboxed and all this. I'm like, I feel like standing up and saying, yo, girl, you got what you deserved. I mean, really, why are you complaining? I was like, oh, I shot somebody, went to jail. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm just so surprised. I don't get it, man. It's, it's so obvious where we're going with this. And the games have to stop because they don't work. I agree. I agree. And that's, you know, you know, when clients come to us or prospects come to us, they're like, hey, we're looking for link building or guest blog posts. I'm like, sorry, man, we, we don't do that stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> links, you know, the changed. best thing for link building in the world is the big five. Yep. Because yep. the big five, because they're opinionated pieces that other people shy away from, that's what gets links today. Mm -hmm. Opinionated pieces that put your stake in the ground and say, you want to know the best? Well, here's an honest assessment of the best. You want to hear, have reviews of, of these widgets? Here's a sincere look at reviews of these widgets, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what moves the needle. That's what gets inbound links. I've got thousands and thousands of inbound links coming to River Pools. I've never tried to get a single one, ever. It's, it's just never happened. It's mm -hmm. never happened. Yeah, and I think, so what I'm hearing is, you know, Marcus Sheridan is, he tries to add as much value as he can, and then he gets returns after. You know, but you know this—that's true. But let me let me stress this: I don't sit there all day long and say I want to give value. I say to myself, I want to think exactly what they're thinking and then answer it. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because if we get caught up in the value, which is true, it's true, but value is so relative. Awesome is relative. Epic is relative. Amazing is relative. So all I care about is, will somebody read this and say, ah? Now I understand the solution to my problem. That's the only thing I care about. Mm -hmm. And whether it's one person or a million people, if the one person says it, I've met my goal. Wow. Okay. So it's value, but it's getting a lot more granular. Yes. Yes. Because I think this whole, there's a movement out there and people, I mean, people get on this, like the internet police and there's the content marketing police, the content police. And they're like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, okay. Have you seen my blog post from five years ago? That was the biggest pile of crap with words that I've ever seen. It was terrible. I was a terrible writer. I was not, the format's all screwed up. I, I look at those blog posts, the first ones with River Pools, the first ones with the sales line, and although you and I today would laugh at them and, and, and scorn them, they're huge victories, man. Mm -hmm. They are some of my greatest works. Even though they're not a masterpiece, to me, they are because they were the start of something really special that changed my life. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we expect all companies and individuals now to just surpass the whole imperfection learning stage and get to the you're really good at it phase. That don't make no sense to me, man. Hmm. Really? I guess we got to get rid of the YMCA and Little League, too. I don't get it. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, wrapping up here. Um, Two more questions for you. Um, so if you could, actually three more questions, I lied. Um, so if you could go back in time and change something, uh, what would it be? Um, you, know, I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I've loved the journey. I thought when I was depressed because of this, the, the market crash, and I was going to lose my business. I just couldn't believe how bad it was. Because everything collapsed that forced me to think differently than I never thought before. And it was coming from the value, the valley 
there that I was able to experience this incredible success. The Riverpool story has been shared on the cover of the New York Times business section. It's been shared in Canada's business, biggest newspaper. It's been shared in I don't know how many books on marketing now, but it's at least a dozen. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it's most many people have heard about the pool guy. I don't say that arrogantly. I tell you that, Eric, because it never would have happened had we not crashed like we did and had to do something special. Now, obviously, if I had to go back in time, I would just become a prolific teacher on my websites earlier, right? Mm-hmm. I also would have never have, have wasted time worrying about numbers and metrics that didn't matter because there's a lot of numbers and metrics out there that don't matter. And if you are a business and you actually have to pay bills, you know the only thing that matters is am I creating enough revenue to pay my bills and then live in financial peace? Mm-hmm. Because Twitter doesn't pay your bills. A like on Facebook doesn't pay your bills. And we're going through this period of like, oh, isn't this nice, pretty rainbows here? And a lot of people are realizing, okay, it's nice. But does it pay our bills? And in some cases, the answer may be yes. In a lot of cases, the answer may be you're better off spending your time doing something else that's going to bring you greater returns. And I think that's where we are in this period right now of social and content and that umbrella that is inbound. Got it. Wow. Um, what's a must-read book that you recommend to entrepreneurs? You know, this is going to sound like a really cheesy answer to you. But I think the most powerful book I've ever read on on content marketing and web design was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And the reason why I feel that is because that book teaches you how to communicate properly with people and focus on their problems, their needs, and not about you, right? And there's magic behind that. The principles of what we teach people with web design with search engine optimization, with content and inbound marketing and social media. Those principles have been been here since the beginning of time. They are earlier than cave writings, man. They are essentially listening really well, understanding exactly what the other side is thinking, being able to communicate in such a way that now they understand you and then teach in such a way that they're able to apply and take action. Those are principles. That's all we're doing. We're just calling it something different today because we have this whole digital landscape that's changed the world. Wow. I actually I, I couldn't agree more with that. And that's actually the second time that book's been uh, recommended on this show. So and it's a great <laughs> that's book. awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, final question for you. What's uh, one productivity hack you could share with the audience? Okay. Well, this is mine. And... And, and it's not for everybody, but usually around 9 o'clock at night, I start to get really tired. And I've always been like that. I've, you know, it just that's always been how, how I was. And so I changed my whole format to get more out of my, my day. When I said, okay, I'm going to eliminate all TV except for one hour a day. And that one hour a day is when I'm on my elliptical and I get on my elliptical at about 9.30 or 10 o'clock every night after my family has gone to bed mm-hmm. and I'm on it for one hour. I get all my TV in. Of course, it's TiVo'd. I get my workout in and that gives me the energy 
now to work for another two to three hours after I've worked out because otherwise I would be crashing and burning. So I have this great alertness for about two hours after I work out. And since I did that, that was the key in allowing me to have river pools going like it was, the sales line to grow that during a very difficult time. And I felt like I've never gotten more done in my life during that time period. And I still do it to this day. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. And that's actually something that um, I've read somewhere where they say, you know, if, you're, if you feel tired, if you want to nap or something, just go work out. And I've done yes. that a few times and I'm very like energized after and you know studies show that you're happier after your workout too and that's totally true. So um, I, I think it works and I think that's a really uh, really nice productivity hack. Thank um, you. Uh, but yeah, you know, Marcus, I think this has been really insightful. Lots of gold nuggets for the audience here. Um, so thanks so much for doing this. Hey man, my pleasure. I'd love to come back anytime, continue success with you, rock and roll, and hope everyone out there too got something out of this today. I had a great time. Cool. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you.